Thanks for tuning into this week's message. For more resources and information about Cedar Valley, please visit cvchurch.org. We're back in the book of Romans, so I'm going to encourage you in your Bible, turn to Romans chapter 6. If you don't have a Bible, man, we think it's a great thing that you would have a Bible, so we put them on high-top tables. They're out in the lobby, and it's just a gift. You don't have to pay for them. You don't need any money. Just grab one. You just need to be aware that we have both English and Spanish, so make sure you get the right language, okay? Romans chapter 6, and then if you have it, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet, if you would. If you're new around here, just know this. We won't be up down in the whole morning, but when we read our primary text, It's just our tradition. We stand, and it just reminds us that this is God speaking. This is not just me reading a book. This is God speaking, and I believe this with my whole heart. God speaks to us right here, 2023, to a group of folks who met in Bloomington on a Sunday morning. This is who he's speaking to. So I'm going to read the first 11 verses, follow along. Verse 1, chapter 6 says this. Well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we've died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? Verse 4, for we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Since we've been united with him in his death, we'll also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We're no longer slaves to sin. Verse 7, for when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with him. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he'll never die again. Death no longer has power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. Verse 11, so you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Our Father, we're grateful for your holy word. We're grateful that you speak to us, that you knew from eternity past what we were going to need to hear today. And your Holy Spirit has inspired the scripture and you've given it to us. So now, God, just give us understanding. Give us understanding. Holy Spirit, would you teach this morning? Would you open our ears, Holy Spirit? Would you give our hearts and our minds understanding? And would you do it in a way, God, that glorifies you and draws us to you? Speak this morning, Father, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys can have a seat. Talking this morning about the power of dying. And I was, you know how sometimes you pull something up on the, on the interweb, you know, and you're you just looking for something. And then it gives you some other article that you might be interested. It's just some other headline. And I saw this headline and I thought, it just was talking about habits. And it was talking about annoying habits. And it's not really what I was looking for, but I was just like, yeah, what are those annoying habits? And then you see the first one and I was hooked. I saw the first one. So this was the first annoying habit. Adults talking to adults in baby talk. Let me just say this, if you are over six years old, no one outside of your house should ever hear you say the word schmoopy, okay, that that should not happen. Like pumpkin is barely tolerant, you know what I mean, but who's a big boy? Are you a big boy? Like that should not happen with adults, like we don't do that. Don't do that to each other, 
right? Here's number two, ending every sentence with, as if, like that stuff drives me crazy. As if what? But just, you know, here's number three, Take, be more than five minutes late for appointments or meetings. Sorry, some of you, sorry. That stuff drives me crazy. That happens occasionally, right? Here's number four, leaving the toilet seat up. As a man, as a man, it bothers me. Toilet seats go down, everybody. That's an annoying habit. Here's number five. Obsessing over your own appearance. Do you know this? The people are just... Or if you take a picture, and then they see the picture, and they got to check themselves out. Now, we got to take that again because I didn't look perfect. That's annoying. Here's number six. Talking in text speak. That stuff drives me crazy. You'll say something like, LOL, BRB, NBD. And the last one is just mine, because I always feel like the old caveman, and I feel out of the loop. So when they do that, I want to feel a part of the conversation. So I'm just like, QRST. <laughs> like, just throw that one in there. This is checking your smartphone during meals. How many people just got shamed right there? You just got crushed by that one. Checking a smartphone during a meal. Here's eight. Eating with your mouth open. I had a buddy in college, and we used to tease him all the time. We're like, Dude, I, I missed last week's breakfast. Could you open just a little wider? Because I didn't quite see that, right? Here's number nine, loudly slurping your drink. Do you know the people do that with a straw? And I'm fully expecting the cup to go right up the straw, you just, right? And then this one we had to work on at our house a little bit, being overly affectionate with PDA. And I know this is obvious, my wife cannot stay away from me. She cannot stay off me, it's ridiculous. <laughs> and so it was just last year when the board talked to me about it and they talked to her, they're like, you gotta stay off him, just back up. I tell her all the time, back up. <laughs> oh, I made that up. Did I make that up? Oh, that's what I would do for a cheap laugh. That's something I would do, okay. <laughs> so anyway, we were looking at annoying habits and, and then I thought, okay, but what about like bad habits? What about bad habits, things that we do? And even beyond that, what about like the destructive habits, the destructive behaviors in our lives, the things that we know are just destructive? And to be honest, it's not a habit. It's just straight up sin. And we feel like we're, we're just, we can't get away from this, and I can't break this. I can't stop this. I know it destroys me. I know it's destructive in my life. Every time that happens, I look around, and, and there's destruction that takes place. And, and we think of all kinds of things. We think of, like, drugs, and we think of alcohol. And, and in today's age, we think of porn, and these are just destructive habits. or things that are destroying us. It's other things. I told you a couple weeks ago about how, man, the destructive habit in my life was just always my mouth. I mean, that was something I always just battled, and, I, and I'd say things because I think I need to speak up or I need to be funny, and then I look around and there's just destruction everywhere because of words that I've said. Another battle, uh, battle that I've always had is just destructive thoughts, like saying things to myself that God says are absolutely not true. Like, that's just destructive talk. That, that's not true. Why would you say that, and why would you say it to yourself? And these things go on and on in our lives, and they just impact us, and they, and they just lead us down terrible paths. And so after a while, the question really becomes this, how can I stop these behaviors from controlling and destroying me? And they're not just behaviors, it's sin. How can I stop this sin? And it's interesting because Paul is actually going to talk about that somewhat today in this passage. How do we stop that? And how do we have this perspective? And, and, and if you remember about uh, two weeks ago, last week we had Father's Day, two weeks ago, we talked about chapter 6, verse 1. 
And Paul asked this question. You remember this? Paul said, we read it today. But Paul says, look, at the end of chapter 5, when he was talking about grace and the grace of God and the grace of God and the grace of God, and we're sinners, but God is gracious to us and he's good. And Paul asked in chapter 6, verse 1, well, then should we do this? Should we just keep sinning? Should we keep living in sin? Should we just go ahead and keep sinning so that God's grace becomes more obvious? So that everyone can see how gracious our God is? Do you remember Paul asked that question? And then Paul said this. Do you remember his answer? Absolutely not. Of course not. God forbid. Heaven forbid. Paul was very emphatic about it. We don't just go on sinning, right? And we learned about grace, the part of grace, the complete. We said when we have a complete understanding of grace, that it has power to transform our lives. And Paul is still going to be on that kick a bit today, and we're going to see about this. Look at the verse 2. In verse 2, he takes off and he starts this, and he uses the word since. That's how he starts it, in the middle of verse 2, right toward the end of verse 2. He starts with since. Since is an assumptive word. And so when you use an assumptive word like since, then it means that what's about to follow, everybody understands or everybody already knows this, or everybody's already done this. Okay, since what? Well, Paul says this, since we've died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Now, we're going to freeze that for a minute, because this phrase, died to sin, Paul will go on and on and on about it in these first 11 verses. Look in your Bible if you have it for in front of you. Look in verse 2, he says, since we've died to sin, go to verse 4. Three At the end of verse 3, it says, we joined him in his death. There's dying again. Look at verse 4. We have died. He uses it there. Toward the end of verse 4, he says, Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. He uses that word again. Look at verse 5. It says that we joined him and been united in his death. Look at verse 7. In verse 7, he says, for when we died, he uses that again. Look at verse 8. And since we died... Go down and look at verse 9. It says, Christ was raised from the dead. He will never die. And further in that verse, it says, death no longer has any power. Look at verse 10. When he died, he died. He says it twice. And then go to verse 11. And it says, consider yourselves to be dead to the power. This is a phrase Paul uses over and over and over. And my contention is, I don't think we fully understand what it means to die to sin. Paul's been really repetitious about it over and over and over and over. Die to sin, die to sin, dead to sin, dead to sin. We're dead, we're dead, we died with Christ. And I'm saying, I don't think we fully understand it. And part of the reason I feel bad about it is because it's kind of on me. Because I'm the teacher here, I'm the pastor. My job is to open the scriptures and to teach so that we understand it, so that we see more and more of who God is. And I think we don't have a full understanding of what it means to truly die to sin. This word die is the Greek word out of nasco, and it's translated many different ways. Die, die, dying, dead, death, perish. Sometimes it's mortal. But it's this overarching idea. And the word breaks down very interesting because apo means, means a separation from. There's, there's separation. There's, there's an end to this. And it intensifies the rest of the word, which really means to die or to die off. So the word really means to die off or to die away from. It's, it's both separation and death. It's the ending of what is former to bring about what just naturally follows. There is an end to this. This is done, and it's completely separate now from this. And Paul said, since we have died to sin, we are separated from sin. There's a separation. And the reason Paul used the word since 
And the reason he thinks in, in his mind that everyone is understanding this and the reason we should understand it is because Paul is writing to a Christian audience. Those people who have supposedly died to sin, they've surrendered their lives to Jesus, they've committed their lives to Jesus, they've accepted Jesus, they've invited Christ to come in and be the Lord of their life. That's what he's saying, they've died to sin. And then he says this, if that's the case, if you've died to sin, if you've, if you've surrendered your life to Jesus, if you've committed your life to Christ, if you've made Christ the Lord, then he says, how can we continue to live in it? And the idea that here is willfully. How can we willfully go on? How can we just keep willfully doing it? How can we just choose this way of life? I'm not talking about a moment of sin. I'm not talking about a moment of temptation. I'm not talking about that. Sometimes we even fall into seasons of sin. But he's saying, how can we just continually choose to live in it? And then Paul goes on with this idea, and he says, or have you forgotten? Now remember, we're talking about died to sin, died to sin. Have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? And this word joined in baptism are, are used kind of synonymously. He's saying you were baptized with Christ Jesus, and therefore you were baptized into his death. You were joined. This word baptism in the Greek, in the original language, it talks about this being overwhelmed with, being fully, fully immersed in it, being covered over with it. He's saying you were immersed in Christ. The Bible uses this in several contexts. It's the reason that we do baptism last week. It's the reason we do baptism the way we do, because the word baptismo means to, to submerge, to immerse, to fully cover someone with. So the Bible talks about it with water, being baptized in water, fully immersed. The Bible talks about it with Holy Spirit, being fully immersed in the Holy Spirit, being fully submerged under the control of, covered over with the Holy Spirit. The Bible talks about uh, being uh, uh, baptized in suffering, fully immersed in suffering. And then here it's fully immersed in, baptized in Christ Jesus. That you are fully immersed in Christ you are fully covered over with Christ, right? And so he's talking to Christians. Well, the question becomes, like, what is that? What, how, how am I immersed in Christ? How am I baptized into Christ? It's not the idea of being baptized into water. It's the idea of being baptized into Christ. Now, think about this. Some of you, many of you in this room, have committed your life to Christ, You've surrendered your life to Christ. Some of you haven't. And, and listen, if you're here today and you say, hey, I'm not a church person. I don't normally go to church. I love the fact that you came to church. And here's why. Because, And again, I always say this. I don't mean to be patronizing, but I think it's actually kind of a brave thing to do. Because you say, I'm not a follower of Christ, but I'm going to walk into a church. I'm curious and I've got questions. I love it. Ask your questions. Get your questions answered. Come to church. Find out. The rest of us have all wrestled with it. Most of us are still wrestling with it. But when you came to Christ, there were a couple things you do. Number one, you got to confess your sin. The biblical word for confess means to agree with. In other words, you go to God and you say, hey, God, I agree with you. I'm a sinner. I agree, God. I've sinned. I, I agree with you. I get it. I'm, I'm acknowledging that. And then secondly, you ask for forgiveness. You say, God, I'm, I'm, I, I'm a sinner. I know I've sinned. I'm asking for forgiveness. But the third thing that has to happen then that you do is you repent. You repent of sin. Now, I'm going to talk about two aspects of dying to sin, because we're trying to understand today, what does it mean to die to sin? And there are two aspects that I really want you to see. And the first one is this. There, when you die to sin, there has to be a repentance. 
Now, repentance is kind of one of those big churchy words that if you're not a church person, I don't know what it means in this context. This is real simple. Repentance means you're walking this way, and now there's an about face, and you walk this way. Literally, that's what repentance means. And so in the Christian church, what we oftentimes say is, you're walking to the sin, you're walking to the sin, you're walking to the sin, no more, and I'm going to walk this way. Now, here's the way we often practice it, just FYI, and I've explained this several times. We often practice it like this. I'm sinning, I'm walking towards sin, I'm walking towards sin, and I'm trying to back away, and I'm trying to back away from sin. That is not repentance. Repentance says this, this. I fully walk away. I'm following Jesus. Now, here's a skinny. Like, I remember growing up in church. I was never a mass murderer. I've never done hard time, right? But we all have sin. But I'd hear people, and I'd hear their stories, and they came out of crazy lives of crime or crazy lives of addiction, and they were walking this way. And all of a sudden, they say, man, Jesus is Lord. And they walked this way, and they walked toward Jesus, and they left that way. And I always heard those stories. I was like, man, I need to go out and do some crime first, and then I need to come back to Jesus, because that story is more exciting. Right? Listen, first of all, if you're somebody who's never been down that road, you praise God for it. You praise God for it. You thank God that he spared you from it. But I would also say this. Repentance is still repentance. Because at its very core, repentance says, regardless of what you were doing, repentance says, I'm the Lord of my life, and I call all the shots. And at some point you have to say, regardless of what my actions were, they are now Christ is Lord of my life, and Jesus calls all the shots. And really, Jesus, what you want me to do is you want me to graduate from high school, and you want me to go to take this job so that I can be an effective light in that place, I'll do it. Really, Jesus, you want me to go sell everything and go be a missionary in a foreign country? I will do it. Really, Jesus, what you want me to do is go be a school teacher and I'll be a light in the local classroom? That's what I do. Really, Jesus, you want me to open my mouth and speak up? You want me to shut my mouth and not say anything? That's what it means when Christ is Lord. In every phase of our life, in every aspect of our life, we're not Lord anymore. We're not king. That's repentance at its very core. I turn from, I call all the shots, to now Jesus calls all the shots, and I'm obedient to it. And the first thing that has to happen when we die to sin is there has to be a level of repentance. There, I, look, if you had a conversion experience, I don't care what else happened. If there was not repentance, that was not a conversion experience. If you never turn over the reins, and I know, listen, I battle it as much as anybody. I battle I love to be in control. I love to be in charge. But there has to be a point in our life where we say, I'm not in control anymore. I follow Christ. At its very core, that is repentance. Regardless of what terrible things you may have done or kind of not quite so terrible things you may have done, repentance at its very core, when we die to sin, one of the key aspects is there has to be repentance. He even says this later in verse 6. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified. And, and again, man, I always stress this. You say the word crucified to a first century audience, and it just got real in here. They saw it. They know what that means. Crucifixion is the most tormenting death. That's what it was. Self has to die. Christ has to live through me. Right? Then Paul goes on, 
you go back to verse 6, he says, for we died. We just said that, right? We just covered this. We died with Christ, and we were buried with Christ by baptism. When we were joined with Christ, when we were not, not this is not specifically water, when we were fully immersed in Christ, when we confessed and we asked for forgiveness, and then we repented when we died to sin, right? We did that. We did that. And, okay, here's the second aspect we're going to get into of dying to sin. Number one, there has to be true repentance. But number two, he says, and just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, we now live new lives. This is a new life. Wait, wait. You live a new life? You, th- there's a new life? This is the beauty. Some of you, man, I was so proud of you. Some, some of you last week you got baptized and you got the tank. This is the beauty of the picture. We should think about this. Every time there's baptism, this is what you see. This is the symbolism of baptism. There is a death to the old self and we put them into the water. Now, if that's all there was, some of you would still be in the tank. But that's not where it ends. Because there's new life. We bring folks out. And there's new life. There's this new life. We can live brand new lives. Question. How is it that we live these new lives? Answer. By the glorious power of the Father. It's the power. It's the power. The second aspect that I want us to get to die to sin, yes, there's repentance, but there is power for new life. There's power for new life. Paul is on that same bent that he was on two weeks ago when we talked about there's the power to transform. That's the grace of God. Dying to sin is repentance. These are just two aspects. It's repentance, but it's also there's this real power for new life. God, how does my life change? How does that happen? He repeats the idea in verse 5. He says, since we've been united with Christ in his death, we'll also be raised to new life just as he was. Now, I want to focus on a slightly different word. Same verse, and I want to help us get there. Here's the word I want us to focus on is the word united. United. This is actually a horticultural term. It's a horticultural term. And the Greek word means this. It's a grafting. So you have a tree trunk, and it's not doing real well. And you got some branches that are coming off of that tree trunk. And so you cut those, right at the trunk, you cut those branches off, and you graft them onto a new trunk, a new trunk that is alive, that is healthy, that is thriving. And you you graft them on there. And in a very short period of time, those branches will start to thrive. There will be new life into those branches. Listen, when we repent, when we repent, we are immediately grafted. We are united. We are grafted into Christ onto the trunk, this new trunk that has all this life and all this power. And when that happens, there is new life in us. There is brand new life in us. Paul says this in Romans, when we get to chapter 8, he'll say this, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead, lives in you. Stop. You follower of Jesus? If you're a follower of Jesus, that has already happened. The Holy Spirit actually lives in you right now. You need to be told this and reminded, and I need to be told this and reminded. The Holy Spirit is alive in you right now. If you're not a follower of Jesus yet, if you've never made that decision, if you've never confessed your sins, if you've never repented, I'm telling you this. There is the potential that brand new life can live in you because the Holy Spirit will instantly come into your life the moment you receive Christ. And Paul goes on here and he says this, And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead... 
He will give new life. He'll give life to your mortal bodies by this same Spirit living within you. This is why we always say this. The same Spirit. Get ready for this. Just focus for one second. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you right now. That same Spirit, that same power, if you've never committed your life to Christ, that can happen for you in a moment that the Holy Spirit would come to live inside of you. And then Paul says this, and I love this, when you get to seven, for when we die with Christ, you ready for this? You're set free. You're literally set free from the power of sin. Now let's be honest, sanctification is most often a process, right? So maybe you've battled some addiction. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's over right then, but there is new life inside of you right now. There's brand new life. There's the power of the Holy Spirit that lives in you. It's not perfection. You're not instantly perfected. That doesn't happen. This sanctification is a process. Ask my wife. Ask my wife what it's like to live with me sometimes. And I just tell her, baby, it's a process. Back up, back up. And once again, get off me for a little while, please. Just, you know, It's a process. It's a process. So I would just say it this way. It's a new direction. It's not a new perfection. It's a new direction. Man, I was headed this way. Now I'm headed this way. I was doing my own thing. Now I'm following Christ. I was living a life of sin and I was set down that path. Now I'm set on Christ's path. That's what I'm doing. Right? Here's the way I explain it. How many of you have ever been to a monster truck event? You ever been to one of these monster truck events? It's okay. You don't need to be ashamed. Raise your hand. Yeah, raise your hand. I got friends that, that a couple friends that, they always just say, it's a really nice quiet evening, is what they tell me. I, right? You ever seen one of these, right? And they usually have these on Friday, 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 Friday. Sometimes they do it on Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Right? But they're these big monster truck events. And they tell me about them. These things are rolling over cars, and they're jumping stuff, and it's just crazy. And they're powerful. These trucks are powerful, crazy powerful, right? Okay, now let's just say you don't have one of these. Let's say you have a little car, a little car. When I was in uh, junior high, uh, my folks got a second car, and it was this, like, 1960-something VW Beetle. It was, just, it was just all rusted out. It was all rusted out. And we used to joke about it. My brother and I joke about it because in the back seat, there was enough, like, there was enough of the framework there that you could step on stuff so you could sit in the back seat. But literally, if you didn't like where the car was going and you had the right shoes on, you could put your feet down to Fred Flintstone and just stop. The, you know, you could see them right through the floorboard. It was awesome. And that car was always on its last leg. It was just always on its last leg. The car was just, you know, it just forever. It was on its last leg. Let's say you had a car like that, right? And one day you go to get in your car and you go to start it up. It's not going to start. It ain't going to start. And so this dude rolls up next to you. And this dude says, hey, you need a jump? You're like, yeah, I need a jump. Well, probably he would say, you need a jump, 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 jump. But so you say, yeah, I need a jump, right? He's like, no problem. I got you, man. So he pulls out these two jumper cables. And these two cables are like six inches thick, man. And he puts one on each, you know, post in his big, powerful truck with this big, powerful battery. And he's about to put it on your car. You say, no, 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 don't put it on my car yet. I want to check it first. And you take both those cables and you put it on your tongue. And then you go, yeah, it's probably okay. Go ahead. No, you're not saying that. Man, if, if, that, if those jumper cables are hooked up to that kind of power, 
and you put them on your tongue, guess what? You're going to walk a little different for a while. You probably talk a little different for a while. You might smell a little different for a while. You know what I'm saying? You can't possibly, you can't possibly get connected to this power and not be radically changed. See where I'm going with this? Man, you cannot have the Holy Spirit power living in you and not be transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. We're different people. We walk different. We talk different. Yeah, maybe we smell different. We're different. We're different people. Because we die to sin. Because there's been a moment of repentance. And we turn. We do this. And now we follow Jesus. And there is transforming power in your life. There's power to overcome annoying habits. More importantly, there's power to overcome sin. I get it. I get it, man. We still have moments of temptation that we succumb to. I get it. Maybe sometimes there's a season of sin, but we can't willfully walk in it because we have died to sin. There's a separation from sin. So I just want you to go home with one thought for the day, right? So here's what I want you to go home with today. Dying to sin isn't about turning over a new leaf. It's not turning over a new leaf. It's about turning on a new life. There's new life in Christ. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. And the moment you receive Christ, that power comes to live in us. And it transforms us. And it changes us. There's a power. I don't care if you're 12 years old. I don't care if you're 80, 12 years old. I don't care if you're black or you're Hispanic or you're white. I don't care what kind of background you came from. I don't care what kind of education you have. Man, the Holy Spirit comes in and just radically, radically transforms. Now, here's the kicker. You know that last week we mentioned, because last Monday was a holiday, it was Juneteenth, and we mentioned it in our service. And you know, Juneteenth was a crazy holiday. That there were slaves who were living down in Galveston, Texas. They're not slaves anymore, and they didn't know it. And the reason they didn't know it is because their owners, their masters, didn't want to tell them. They didn't want them to know. They wanted them to remain enslaved. The reason that we got to talk about this is because we have an enemy. And I, you just need to, man, just dial in for one second. Just, just pay attention right here for one second, please. The enemy does not want you to know that you've been liberated. The enemy does not want you to know that you have been freed. The enemy wants you to think that you're a slave so that you'll keep living like a slave. You are free. If the Holy Spirit lives in you, you are free. We got to just live it. We need to know it in our brains. And there are times in my life when I have to just say, stop. You are not a slave to sin. The same power, Neil, that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Like, we're, we're living like slaves sometimes. Live a life empowered by the Holy Spirit. We're different folks. We're different people. 